brothers of the word, because brother, you need the word. And today's message is going to be a message of revelation from Revelation. So open your Bibles to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And God had given me the scripture for this message actually months ago. And he simply told me a number of a scripture. But I didn't know that the scripture was from Revelation until yesterday. And as he began to then reveal some things, I'm going to show you some things from the message today entitled The Seven Churches Within. And we've heard oftentimes many sermons preached about the seven churches, but I'm going to show you something about the seven churches that at the very least I had not heard before. Until I began to read and God began to reveal some things. And we're going to have to cover a lot of scripture. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV version today simply for clarity. So that we'll understand it clearer. And I'm going to be reading quick so we can cover everything in the span of time. You can hear this message again at airjesus.com. This is message number 5290-5290. If you need to hear this again or if you want to email it at absolutely no charge to a friend at airjesus.com, message number 5290, beginning at Revelation, the first chapter, the first verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Turn to your neighbor and and say, the time is near. The time is near. Continuing on in verse number 9 of that first chapter. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was with, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. 
Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, now seven is a number that we know in biblical scripture to represent the number of completion. But seven is also around us in so many ways. It's also the number that's in so many other spiritual disciplines. And seven, as we go through our week, seven days will complete one week. And if you take four and multiply it by seven, it completes one lunar cycle from where we get our months. And even a woman, every four times seven will go through a menstrual cycle. So seven is a cycle that is both in spirit and in Nature, Revelation beginning at the second chapter, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write. And this is what I want you to understand about what here he, he wrote unto the churches. Of the seven churches, four of those seven churches had both good and bad. Two of them had just good and one of them had just bad. But this is the part that most of us have failed to see and to realize. He wrote unto the churches that the state that they were in, but at the end of every declaration to every church, he gave them a promise what they would get when they overcame. And every one of the churches got a different promise. Every one of the churches got a different promise. He told them a different thing of what they would get. And I want you to see some things and I want you to understand some things because within us are these seven churches. You see, every problem in the seven churches have, we have. Every problem, I, I don't know a perfect church. And the reason that I don't know a perfect church is because I just don't know any perfect people. And the church consists of people. And, I, and please, I, I beg you, I admonish you, I plead with you. If you know someone who is perfect, introduce me to them. Because I just have never met them. Now, now I do know this. I, I know some people from a distance who appear to be perfect. But, but anyone have I ever gotten close up on, close up tied into the imperfections will start. I, I just don't know anyone who's perfect, nor any churches who are perfect. So, so here, as he wrote to the churches, four of them had good and bad. Two of them had just good, but I'm going to explain to you why they just had good, and one of them had just bad. But all of them had a promise of what they would get if they overcame, and every promise was different. The first church, Revelations chapter 2, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. The other thing about it, the introduction of Jesus to every church was also different. He could have just said, this is from the Lord Jesus. Every introduction of Jesus to every church was different. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. Now see, all this ain't done. 
Yet he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He told the church at Ephesus, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Ephesus had the good. They had hard work. They hated evil. They didn't tolerate wicked men. They persevered and endured hardships in the name of Jesus. They hadn't grown weary. They hated the practices of the Nicolaitans, which he also hated. You know, sometimes we worship the Nicolaitans. Now, what are you talking about? You know who Santa Claus is named after? Woo! Stuff gets deep, don't it? And when you understand the history, that's all from a pagan religion. But the Ephesus had their bad parts. They had forsaken their first love. They had fallen from their former height. And he told them to repent and get back to the things that they used to do, or else he would come and remove their lampstand. And he promised to him who overcomes, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelations 2.8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty. Yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Smyrna had basically just good. He didn't have anything negative to say about him. But the problem with that is no one wants to be like the church in Smyrna. And you're saying, why not, Pastor? Because he said they were impoverished and afflicted. They didn't have any money. And they had a whole lot of affliction. They were basically poor and had a whole lot of trouble in affliction. You see, no one really wants to be like the church in Smyrna, but, but he had nothing negative to say about it. And, and sometimes people, that's why when we don't have as much stuff, we can get closer to God. Because you've got to depend on God every first of the month. You've you, you got to pray it and, and every meal. And, and it's why Jesus told the disciples, don't take any money with you. Just go out. Don't even take an extra coat. Don't take an extra purse. Don't take an extra pair of shoes. You go out and you make it day. You've got to depend on me every single day. When you have to depend on God every day, you stay closer to God. So he had nothing to say, but we really don't want to be like the church of Smyrna because none of us wants to be impoverished or afflicted. You all said, or afflicted. See, not only do you not want to be broke, you don't want to be broke, nor do you want to be afflicted. But sometimes it gets you closer to God. Now, it's not a blessing, but sometimes it gets you closer to God. So here they were, impoverished and afflicted, but yet closer to God. And he promised, he who overcomes will not be hurt at all. 
by the second death. Revelations 2.12, to the angel of the church in Pergamon write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Now here, this church, they had the good. They remained true to his name. They did not renounce him even in the midst of death, in the middle of a wicked city. But the bad, some of them followed Balaam and false gods and false prophets and the Nicolaitan Teaches, But he promised to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Revelations 2.18, to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You see, people, it's that nevertheless that's the problem. It's like when you ask someone about someone and they give you this glowing thing, but they have that one little word, and they say, but. It's like they say, you want to, you know, someone's going to introduce you to someone, and they say, well, what are they like? And it's already real nice, but. And always remember this. Whenever you hear the word but, it's the important thing that you really want to know that comes right after the but. Whenever you hear the but, whenever they say you are, oh, they really do the but, you, you perk up real good and listen to what follows the but. Because that, that's going to be really the thing you really want to know is what comes right after that but. And, and see, in, in this language, it's the nevertheless. It's the bit. So he said nevertheless, because see, it's the nevertheless part that will get you in hell. That's the part that will, that's that, 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 they're doing real good, but. So when he got to the, to the but part, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Some of y'all got a Jezebel in your lives. Or, or may, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's a Jerubbabel. What, some of you got, you know, you, you, you got, you, you know, sometimes you got somebody and, and you got a Jezebel or a Bubba and, and you tolerate Jezebel or Bubba. That's, that's the modern-day equivalent of Jerubbabel is just Bubba. So some of you got Bubba's in your life, and he said you're tolerating Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. 
Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will, to the end I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now hear the good they had deeds and love and faith and service and perseverance and doing more than they'd done at first, but the bad they were tolerating. Jezebel. And doing the things that Jezebel had them to do. But he promised to those who overcame, I will give you authority or power over the nations. Revelations chapter 3. To the angel of the church of Sardis write. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. I'm not going to read the rest of here what it says about the church of Sardis, but basically said they had the reputation of being alive. They were known in the city as being a vibrant church, but Jesus said, you're dead. You did. Your people know you. You shout. You're rocking the church, but you did. You got the reputation of being alive, but you did. And he says to them, He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3 7 to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is one of the churches where he had nothing negative to say, but they were just like the church of Smyrna. He said, I know you have little strength. They weren't strong. They had little strength. They were struggling. And they had kept God's word, yet they, they offered and they, they operated within a certain degree of scarcity and barely getting by. But he had nothing negative to say about it. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, 
so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The good of the church of Laodicea, there wasn't any. He said, you, you're rich. And you said, I have need of nothing. You know, that's a pretty serious state when you hear a person say, I don't need anything. That, that's what the church, they, they were, but see, the problem is this. You all said, this is the problem. Right. All of us want to be like the church of Laodicea. They were rich, had need of nothing, loaded, living large, riding large, wearing large, eating large. They were in good shape by the world's eyes. They were just right. Everybody want to be like that church. They're, they're, no one wants to be like the church of Smyrna. Impoverished and afflicted. We just don't want that. Listen, am, am I being real with you people? You just don't want that. You want to be like the church of Laodicea. They had excess and, and they had plenty. And they said, I have need of nothing. But Jesus said, you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. But this is the thing that I saw. And the verse that God had spoken into my spirit was 321. And when I finally got to 321, it says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Let me just go over those promises to each church. To Ephesus, he promised I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life. To Smyrna, he promised... You won't be hurt by the second death. To Pergamon, he promised, I will give some of the hidden manna and a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to he who receives it. To Thyatira, he said, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. To Sardis, he says, you be dressed in white. I'll never blot out your name from the book of life, but all knowledge, I will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. To Philadelphia, he promised... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and never again to, will he leave it. But to lay it to see it, the worst of the churches, to the only church that had nothing good to say about it, he said to him who overcomes, I'll give you the right to sit with me on the throne. Now this is deep. The worst church and the only church that had nothing good to say about it, the promise that he gave to that church was above all the other churches. He said, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne right beside me. The rest of the folks said, look, I, I, I'll make you a pill in the church and you'll never leave the temple. The other people said, I will let you sit by my right, right on the throne with me. And I looked at that thing. I said, now why in the world would he give the biggest and the greatest promise to the worst church? People, if you can overcome the material stuff... If you can get it all, see, and this is the difficulty that very few people can ever get to. We want it all, but we can't handle it when we get it all. See, the position of the church of Laodicea, they had it all, but they couldn't handle anything. Do you all know people like that? They got it all, but they can't handle anything. He said, see, the other churches, the, the, the church of Smyrna, they were holy, but they didn't have anything. They were struggling, straining, and folk would get on their knees when they'd been knocked on their knees. You know what I'm talking about? They, they, they were holy, but they didn't have anything. The church of Laodicea was prosperous. 
They had no material need of anything. And it's a deep thing when you say, I have need of nothing. When my money is in good shape, when my health is in good shape, when my house is in good shape, when my, I have need of nothing. You know, even folk, when they got plenty of money, need something. You know what I'm talking about? When you get into shape where you can honestly say you don't need anything, I'm going to admit, that's pretty decent shape. When you can get to the point when God has blessed you and still, you all say still. When God has blessed you, and this is the part that messes up most Christians by and large. That's why we can't handle stuff. When God blesses you and pours on this stuff upon you, most folk can't handle it. Their pride gets out of whack. They, they, they start talking about what I have done. The Bible says when you're eating food and you're going to talk about what you've done and all your wisdom and all your strength. You don't forget God ever pulled you through this. Well, this is what happened with us too often. So this is the way the church of Laodicea was. They had all this stuff. God had blessed them beyond measure. And God said, if you, if you with all of this stuff, if you can overcome, I'll give you the right to sit by me on my throne. And that's not an easy place to get to when God blesses you and still you obey and still you reference and still you give him the praises and the glory when you can do that. Not in poverty, not in need, but when God has blessed you and still You'll be above all the other churches because he can then trust you with stuff. And he doesn't want anybody sitting by him that he cannot trust. I am out of time. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go and hear this sermon. It's number 5290 at airjesus.com if you need to send it to someone. 5290 at airjesus.com. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the word. Amen, 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 amen. And people, I want to be sitting on the throne beside Jesus. But I'll tell you this. I would rather be Smyrna and make it than be Laodicea and miss it. So... And I want to tell God this. If I can't handle it, don't give it to me. See, see, many of us, we just want it anyway. You all say anyway. See, most of us want it anyway. I want to tell you, if I can't handle it, don't give it to me. I would rather be Smyrna. I would rather be Philadelphia and make it in than be Laodicea and miss it. But if I had my choice, I'd rather be Laodicea. And sit beside Jesus.